Good morning. My name's Aaron, one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and I am super excited to be here with you today. Um, first of all, let me start off with a quick question. Does anyone know what in the world this thing is? Who, who, you, okay. You're, if you are over the age of 40, you probably know what this is. If you are over the age of 60, you probably purchased this for a child uh, at, at, at some point. This, somebody yelled it out. Who said it? It's, it's, a, it's an NES. It's a Nintendo system, right? This is what we call the classic Nintendo entertainment system. Does anybody remember? What is it? Is it up, down, up, down? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, start, select, start. Ah, some things never go away, okay? <laughs> That's the classic cheat code for most of the games within the NES system. This happens to be my original NES system, and who would like to just come up here and play this with me? Yeah, sorry, we're not actually going to do that today, but uh, I mean like that. No, but I have, this is my original one. I have a couple of games. I actually still have like 12 games. Uh, this is the original Mario Brothers, which came alongside Duck Hunt. Everybody remember that? Remember this game? It's a great game. Now, what do you have to do to get it to work? <laughs> right? Or you had, to, you had to clean it, and then you had, to, you had to make sure and get it in just right, and then, you know, click it down, and away you go. And if you're lucky, and if you held your tongue right, it would work. Right? You remember that? Those are good days. Now, these systems are phenomenal. Like, mine's not plugged in, so we're just going to pretend, okay? Um, but... Uh, you know, you turn it on, right? You get things going. And imagine with me, you're playing along. And I used to play games that you could save. You know, I played, is anybody a, a dork like me and play Final Fantasy? Like, I used to play that. And there were different games. Thank you, Tim. Yep, you're welcome to the, to the dork club. That's us. Okay. Uh, you could save these games, you know. But if you ever hit what button, what would happen? The, the, the reset. You guys, you guys remember that? Like I had a little brother. And my, brother, my little brother was my nemesis because time and time again. I'd, I'd be playing Tecmo Super Bowl and I'd be going through a whole season and I'd have played a couple of games and he'd run up before I could catch him. He'd hit the reset button just to be a punk, you know? But here's the thing. Like these, these systems, the, the incredible part about these systems is that reset button because what would happen is you could be going along and let's say you were doing terribly and you didn't want to save it, you could hit that reset button and what would happen is it would start over and it would go all the way back to where you had previously saved it. It's an incredible idea. It's an idea that... From time to time in life, I wished I had a button like that. Anybody identify with that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll take that as a positive. Woo. <laughs> I've felt like that a number of times in life where there were things that I've done or more often than not, things that I've said that I wished 
I could just push the reset button and, and go backwards. Let me tell you about one real quickly. When my first son was born, and you're going to laugh at me and this will be fun and we'll move on and then you'll make fun of me again later. When my first son was born, um, I was probably about 27 or 28 years old. Uh, didn't know up from down. My wife's been in the hospital, a long labor, then, a, then an emergency C-section. My parents came, stayed at the house. I, ha- I had to preach that Sunday, so I went home, got cleaned up, and, and preached. And, and when I went to the house, I walked in the house, and my mom had cleaned the house from floor to ceiling. And I was just so blown away and so excited. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So I called my wife, and I'm like, honey, you're not going to believe it, but the house is the cleanest it's ever been. Why are you laughing? (laughs) That was one of those moments. I just wish I had the reset button. Like, I was such an idiot at, at that moment. And New Year's brings kind of a time of the year that we often think about taking a, a reset to different things in our lives. I'm sure you can identify. Um, I, I won't even ask how many people have set New Year's resolutions. I, that's, that's fine if you have. That's awesome. But let me just share with you um, the top 10 New Year's resolutions that I found. Okay? Let me walk through a few of them. The first three, eat healthier, exercise more, lose weight, right? Those, those all, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's not you, but probably most of us have at some point in our lives gone, at least the eat healthier, like that is certainly it for me, okay? I, I don't know why. I guess I was just blessed with the metabolism that, that, that works for me. But if I didn't have the metabolism that I do, I, I, would be, I would have a problem, okay? So eat healthier is a good one. How about the next four? Uh, more time with family and friends. Save more and spend less. Ah, there's no fun in that. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> By the way, we're going to have Financial Peace University coming up uh, soon. So, yeah, but that's, that's a normal one. Less time on social media. Like, that's legit, you know. Probably, probably number four and number six are connected sometimes, right? You know? Uh, how, about, how about the last four? Reduce your stress on the job. That'd be nice. Maybe quit smoking. I just heard somebody just told me this morning they just quit smoking. That's awesome, you know? Uh, drink more water. Yeah, I could probably add that to the list as well. And drink less alcohol, you know? Those are, those are the top 10. Now, here's my question for you. What do you think the success rate is on, on these? And we're just going to say two years later. What do you think the success rate is? Real quick. Any guesses? 2%. 2%, 12%, 1%. Here's what I found. Here's what I found. The success rate is actually pretty decent, 10%. And the reality is that's actually 10 times as many people as people who don't set any goals. You understand that? Like things just stay the the same. But here's what I have found. New Year's provides an opportunity for us to take a look at our lives and go, hey, what's going on? What do I want to change, but I have found that there's this thing in my life, and if you can't identify with this, that's fine, but here's what I found. Most of us don't want to change unless things get really uncomfortable. (laughs) 
Unless something in my life is, is really kind of broken, I, I usually don't want to change because I like things the way they are. Like until, until, until your spouse says, hey, that's it, I'm done. Most people don't want to change their relationships. Until your employer says, if you're late one more time, you're fired. Most of us don't want to change how late we stay up at night or how much we're drinking the night before we go to work or whatever. Most of us don't want to change. Until somebody confronts you and says, hey, I can't be your friend if you keep living this way, most of us really just don't want to change until something gets really uncomfortable. Which makes me wonder, why are we like that? Well, here's what I found. (laughs) It's because we all have excuses. You know what? It's not really that bad. Well, you don't understand. You don't know what my family's like. You don't know what my husband's like. You don't know what my spouse is like. You don't know what my boss is like. You don't understand. We all have excuses, and excuses, honestly, are the number one thing that keep us from changing. We may come to the new year, and we may say, hey, I want to change this, or or, I want to see something change at work, or I want to see my marriage, or my relationships, or my dating, or I want to see some of these things change, but we often don't change because of excuses. Things just get in the way. But there's this passage of scripture that has really just been like rolling around in my head for, for people who would say, you know what, I actually, I want to I have a relationship with God and I want to see him, you know, work in my life. This passage has been, I mean, it's just been impacting me to think about what my life really should look like. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Now, this is language in the New Testament for saying they've realized, this is, this is a person who's realized that, that their sins have separated them from God, okay? And, and the only way that they can be made right with God is through Jesus Christ. This is the language that's being used here. He's basically saying, you, you've put your faith in Jesus to make things right between you and God. And so, if anybody has done that, if they're in Christ, then the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. To sum it up, the author, his name's Paul, he's saying, my life should be changed. I should be seeing growth and change. Maybe even in some of those areas that we talk about with New Year's resolutions. Maybe in in the area with my relationships, maybe with my family, maybe with money, maybe with my spiritual growth. You know, Dan mentioned that earlier in the host time, that my life should gradually begin to look different. Here's the good news. Just a couple verses later in 2 Corinthians, the author talks to us about how we can really fully be changed. He says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, God's done the work to to make us righteous and to save us and he's made it possible for our lives to change. I just wonder if maybe, maybe, you and I as we approach the new year are asking the wrong question. I come to it and I go, what do I want to change? What needs to change? I wonder if maybe we need to start asking this question. 
What does God want to change? In fact, let me phrase it another way. What does God think is possible for my new year? Would you wrestle with that question with me for just a minute? For the next 10 or 15 minutes, would you wrestle with this question? What does God think is possible for my new year? Does God have some sort of reset button? Is there something that could happen that could really begin to change everything for me? So that if I get 90 days, 120 days, a year, two years down the road, I could look at my life and say, things are drastically different. What does God think is actually possible for your new year? Well, it seems that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God thinks that a new life, new you, not just new phone who dis, like (laughs) new life, new you, is possible. He seems to think that. I want to show you a passage of scripture that walks us through how life change is possible and where the power comes from. In Galatians, the same author who wrote 2 Corinthians, his name's Paul, he was a man who actually, just hear me out for a second, he was a man who actually was involved in murdering Christians. There's parts of the Bible that sometimes you wouldn't put in a a children's story. You understand that, right? Okay? Paul was one of those guys that we probably wouldn't tell all of his story in in, in a children's book. He was involved in going and finding Christians and hunting them down and putting them in jail. And at times he was involved in putting, stoning people to death. All because they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And then Jesus showed up in his life. And everything changed. Well, he wrote a letter to a group of people who lived in Asia Minor. It's an it's a area that, that today we know of as Turkey. And in the central portion of Turkey... There's there's an area that today we would call Galatia. It it comprises a number of of towns and provinces, but one of them that you would probably know of is a town called Ephesus. It's in the portion of Turkey called Galatia. And he wrote this letter to the Galatians because at one time before he had been there, he told many of them about Jesus, and a lot of people put their faith in Jesus. But then some people came in and started telling them, hey, the way you really get in good with God is if you obey all the rules, the law. They were talking about the Old Testament law, and they taught them and told them, listen, that's fine, you believe in Jesus, fine, but you're not really saved or right with God or, or cleansed or, until you start obeying all of the law, which, by the way, is the opposite of what Christianity teaches us. Christianity says, I've broken the law, I can't keep the law, Jesus kept it for me, I'm putting my faith and trust in him. That's Christianity. So these people who had become Christians started going, oh, well, maybe we need to obey all of the law. Paul wrote to tell them, wake up. 
The power didn't come from you to be saved. It certainly won't come from you to be changed. Those are the two things that we're going to focus on today. The power didn't come from you to be saved. It didn't come from me to be saved. It didn't come from this church. It didn't come from anyone but Jesus. No one but Jesus. And the power certainly won't come from you to be changed either. In fact, the power rests in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Let me show you what Paul wrote. Galatians chapter 3. We're going we're gonna to look at a couple verses here in chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, I would tell you we're going to camp in chapter 5 here in a minute, okay? Just so you know if you want to follow along. Chapter 3 and verse 2 says this. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Paul's asking them a question. He's been talking to them and dealing with the problem that they have, thinking that they had to keep and obey all of the law to be saved. I have one question for you. Did you receive the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, God's spirit residing inside of them. Did you receive that by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now, their answer was, well, we received the spirit because we believed Jesus. Okay. So you didn't, you didn't get saved by doing X, Y, Z. You didn't get saved by getting baptized. You didn't get saved by keeping the law or being a good person or, or you know, going to church. I mean, you know, it's a completely different culture and all kinds of things. You didn't get saved by all those things. You got saved by the person and work of Jesus Christ and believing it and believing it alone. And the Holy Spirit came inside you and started changing things radically, right? Their answer is... Yes. Verse 3, he goes on, he says, are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Now, here's why I show this to you. How often when we set some sort of goal to change, do we think, well, I've got to do it completely in my power? If I set a goal, like a New Year's resolution, how often, I personally, I'll share with you, I often approach it like, Okay, I have to plan everything out and regiment it all out, and I, I rarely pray about God helping me to accomplish it. Can anybody identify? Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's me. And I need to hear like a slap in the face Paul's question that's saying like, wait a minute. After beginning by means of the Spirit, am I now going to try to fix my life by my own strength? By my own flesh? Is that where the power resides? Is that really where the power resides? I would tell you before we get to chapter 5, the answer is no. Okay? Now, I don't, I don't know what you think needs to change in your life. Okay? Can, can we take just a quick time out? Would you envision with me what it is or just one thing that does need to change in your life? Could it be the way you talk to your husband or your wife? Could it be your finances? Could it be your work habits? Could it be, could it be things that you put into your body that you, you, you know aren't helping you? Could it be things you're viewing, people you're talking to, relationships that you're leaning into that maybe that's going to lead you down not a good path? Whatever it is, I want you to know that the only way that we are really going to see lasting change is if we acknowledge it and then we lean into God's power for help to change it. That's, that's the reality. 
So here's the thing. In chapter 5, Paul's going to kind of go on with this question that I'm going to show you. Here's the question he's asking them, okay? He's asking them, did you do this in your own strength or by the power of God? And his answer is, it's by the power of God. And now he's going to lay out this incredible idea that I want you to latch on. If you don't grab onto anything else today, I want you to latch onto this. True change, here's what it is. True change is available only through the life-transforming work of the Holy Spirit. You want to know where the real reset button is? It's the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying, now, when, when I said, honey, our house is the cleanest it's ever been, I, I wanted to pull those words like, <laughs> right? Now, the reset button doesn't do that. But it will begin to teach me self-control and help me take control of my mouth so I don't speak. Maybe some of the ways I know I shouldn't. Okay? I hope that that was just a foolish mistake on my part. But sometimes, for all of us, our words aren't really foolish mistakes. We actually say things that we mean. And they're designed to hurt. And we need self-control. Where does that come from? Let me show you. See, in Galatians 5, this is what Paul says. Talking to them about where the power is, and the power for salvation is in Jesus, and, and the Holy Spirit, and the power for sanctification. That's a big word that you don't need to know the ideas of it, but it just means change. It means to sanctify, it means to set something apart for good and holy purposes. It's the idea that, that God can set you and I apart for his purposes. Well, how do we get that? Here's how. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What's, what's Paul saying? He's saying this. Watch out for the pitfalls of our desires. He's saying, I can desire some things that aren't good. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but anybody identify? I can want to do and say things that aren't good, that are designed to hurt people and might hurt me. I can do things that, that look appealing, but aren't. And he's saying, don't walk that way. Don't walk controlled by your flesh. Don't walk controlled by your emotions. Don't walk controlled by your desires. Don't walk controlled just by your own mind. Walk controlled by the Spirit. Because guess what? Your desires, your feelings, your mind can absolutely be Touched by sin. In fact, they are. So he's making a distinction. And he goes on and he talks about why there's a real problem with our desires and our flesh. In verse 17, he says this. He says, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Okay, two things. They're, they're diametrically opposed. Do you understand? The spirit's going this way, the flesh is going this way. That's all Paul's saying. So they're in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. A couple things. This portion right here, you're not to do whatever you want. The world will tell you different. The world will say, you do you, boo. <laughs> That's what the world says. 
I'll just tell you, that is not going to put you where you really want to be. It's not. So, what's this last part? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you, you, you don't have to uphold all these rules and regulations. Really, all we have to do is choose to be led by God. That's it. Choose to be led by God. He goes on. Verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Hmm. This is interesting. These are the things that we should watch out for. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Debauchery. Impurity, talking about any any form uh, of, of unrighteousness, debauchery, it's a world where it's a big word. It's like, I don't know the last time I've heard somebody use that word, but it's the idea really just of all kinds of partying and, and free lifestyle, do whatever you want with whomever you want, whenever you want. That's the idea. You mean that's not good for you? No, it's not. It actually harms you. Idolatry, that's putting anything above God, which we could get really deep into that. That could be a lot of things in my life, you know? Witchcraft, hatred, hatred, Uh uh-oh. You mean hatred on the things you write on social media? (whistles) Discord? You mean fighting is a problem too? Yeah. Jealousy? Oh, man. Like, whoever wrote this is really, I don't like them. Fits of rage? Road rage? Selfish ambition? Like, only thinking of yourself? Dissensions and factions and envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. He uses that last part and the like just to say, this isn't like all there is on the list. He's just saying, listen, being controlled by the flesh, we we know it's wrong. Paul is saying, watch out. And he ends this section by saying this. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is he saying? He's saying, watch out for the pitfalls of our desires. Say no to the flesh. That's what he's saying. So if we're really going to change, we're going to have to say no to the flesh. Okay? But then he goes into the part where the real power comes from. And here's where I want to camp. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now, fruit. Um, I like fruit. My daughter likes fruit. She eats fruit like it's going out of style, okay? You realize that fruit is something that you have to, it has to be cultivated, right? Like you plant a tree. Tree grows. Tree's healthy. It produces good fruit. You plant a a shrub, like a, a raspberry bush or a, a blackberry bush or, or blueberry bush, right? You, you understand. It has to be cultivated. What he's saying is the cultivating work of the Holy Spirit will produce this in your life. If you are listening to and being led by and obeying the Holy Spirit, it will produce these things in your life. And he starts with love. But let me show you what else he says. It says love, joy. And a little bit of joy would would be nice on occasion, right? Peace. He goes on. Patience. Patience when your children are like this. Mom, 
Mom, Mama, Dad, open the door. Yeah, I have a lot of patience right then. But the cultivating work of the Spirit will produce it. If we, if we realize that that's where the power rests, right? Kindness. There are people that are hard to be kind to. But it's not a question of what the other person is like. It's a question of what the Holy Spirit is doing in you and me. That's the thing. Goodness. He goes on. Faithfulness. Being faithful even when others aren't faithful. Being gentle even when you do not want to be gentle and you've been gentle so many times and it feels like, okay, come here, I'm going to show you my gentleness, you you know? And self-control. This is what the work of the Spirit looks like. And I just wonder, how might my life and your life look different if really I trusted going into this new year to, if I trusted in God and used his reset button of the Holy Spirit and depended on him, how it might actually begin to produce the things that I really want to produce. Changes in my relationship, changes with finance. Man, self-control would help. Now, I don't do a lot of shopping, but there are certain places when I go, I could spend a lot of money. You send me to a chainsaw store, we're going to have a problem. You send me places where they have tools, we might not have any money, okay? I don't know what it is for you, but self-control is big. Look at how Paul ends this section. He says, against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let me back up on that. Against those types of things, God producing those things in our life, there's no law. There's no rules. It's all God saying, this is good. This is what we are supposed to be like. We are supposed to be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. You, you, you get the idea, right? That's what we are supposed to be like. And when we trust Jesus, we start this process of dying to our own strength, dying to our own desires, dying to our own flesh, and yielding, submitting, following the work of the Spirit. That's where the power is. That's where the power is. That's where the power is no matter who you are. If you're a person who says, I don't have a lot of self-control naturally, good, let the Spirit control you. I don't mean good, like stay there, no self-control. Sorry, that was bad. But turn to Him. Ask for help. In other words, you know, all the way back, I told you that the whole idea is true change is available only through the life-transforming work of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do? We watch out for the pitfalls, and then secondly, here's what else we do. We say yes to the Spirit of God. We say yes to Him. We say yes to the leading of the Spirit, okay? That's what we're called to do. Now, I have a feeling that if you're anything like me, you've been trying the, you've been trying hard to see changes already this year. We're eight days in. Just real quick, informally, how many of you did set some sort of 
goals. Yeah, okay. About half of you raised your hand because others were, so it's fine. It's all right. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> if, you, if you just try the try harder plan, I think you'll find out that eventually you run out of the desire to try hard. So here's what I want to share with you. If your try harder plan isn't working for you, it's time to try the try surrender plan. And here's how we do this. I'm going to give you a simple acronym to remember. I, remember, I guarantee you can remember it. It goes like this. You ready for the, 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 the acronym? It's dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. Now, who knows what I'm speaking about? Ah, nicely done. What is it Morse code for? SOS. It's very simple. Try the SOS plan. Now, the, the three things that I think we need to do to really receive power from the Holy Spirit are, number one, surrender. Surrender. Go to him. I need your help. I needed your help to deal with all of my sin when, whenever I trusted Jesus. Or, or maybe for you right now, you're here today and you're like, you're not sure. And you know you have this stuff that needs to be dealt with. Go to him. Surrender. He will take it. Okay? That's step one. Step two, submit. Listen to it. Say, yep, I'm going to submit. Step three, obey. Now, I'm putting those out of order. S-O-S. I did that. And I knew some of you are smart, and you'd be like, wait a minute, Aaron. Yeah, I know. I know. But I figured we could remember this. Surrender, obey, submit. Yes, Lord, I will obey. Here's what that means. When, when I have a thought in my head that I just want to bite back at somebody who has been terrible to me, whether, you know, what, you know what's the best when you're on the phone with, like, with like uh, customer service? That's a blessing. Right? And I just think in my head, this person doesn't know me and I'm, I'm ready to just say whatever. But the Spirit of God will remind you, especially if you ask Him, He will remind you, stop. How are we to speak? Speak with kindness. Speak with goodness. Right? Self-control. You, you, you're on the computer, you're working late at night, you're tired, and, and your mind starts to drift and you find it easy to start thinking about looking at things that you know you shouldn't. What do we need? Self-control. Spirit of God. Help me. You know what the Spirit will probably say? Go to bed. <laughs> Go to bed. Boy, that's, uh, I mean, if I have to. <laughs> that's what he'll probably say. He will guide you, but you have to surrender. You have to be willing to obey, and you have to submit. S-O-S. So let me ask you. When you look at the goals that you want to see reset, what fruit of the Spirit goes in line with what you want to see change? Is it a relationship issue and you're struggling because of how you speak? Do you need to grant forgiveness? Is it a money issue? You need self-control? What, what is it? What fruit of the Spirit will you choose now here today to intentionally cultivate. Let me remind you of them, okay? And it's all really one, but, but, but these are the, this is the cultivating evidence that the Spirit of God is like actually working in me and you. Is it love? 
Love for someone who's hard to love. Is it joy? Even though your circumstances are really, really tough, you lean into God's joy. It's God's joy anyway. It's not my joy. It's God's joy. It's, is it peace? Is it, uh, you know what? I'm going to trust God right now, and I'm going to rest. Is it, is it, you, you know, is it patience? I need patience with my kids, patience with my spouse, patience with my boss. If you understood what he was like, ugh. Is it kindness, goodness? Is it faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Which one correlates to what's happening in your life right now? Whatever it is, man, I just wonder what would happen if you and I would choose today to say, Spirit, here I am, I surrender. I will obey you. I will submit. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the Spirit of God and the work that Jesus Christ has done that has provided that reset. Thank you that we don't have to figure this all out on our own and fix it on our own. Father, I pray that you would be honored today as we lean into what your word has said, that we would choose to obey you and choose to listen to you and be led by you. That's my prayer in Jesus' name.